It's time for another episode of the Diary of a Stylish Buxom Beauty podcast, where the focus is on deep and unconventional conversations about loving and accepting yourself and the life you choose to live. Here's your host, the Buxom Beauty. Hello, 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 and welcome to today's show. I realize listening to me is a choice. And as always, I thank you for hitting that play button and choosing to listen to my voice. Today, we are going to talk about systemic inequality. And joining me in this discussion is my former colleague and friend, Dr. Lisa Witzig. Hi, Lisa. Wanda. Welcome. Good to see you. Yes, it is so good to see you too. It's been too long. It's been too long. Way too long. so, So tell us about yourself. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So who is Lisa Witzig? That's a great question because it keeps changing every year, <laughs> which is good, I think. Uh, yes, yes. So so I I am living in Austin, Texas. But mm-hmm. of course, we met uh, in the D.C. area where I mm-hmm. lived for decades. But um, my husband's work took us to Austin. So mm-hmm. I'm married and have kids and have grandkids and the most recent one is five months old so that's awesomeness and and she just happens to live here with her big sister in austin texas so Mm -hmm. life is is good and my background is in marketing and prior to that it was in government and i am a serial learner and and here's a fact to wanda you did not know about me but i have actually gone back to school again. Really? Yes. yes. That is awesome. Yes, because because one doctorate just isn't enough. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so another passion of mine is higher education, as Tawanda knows, and I am teaching at Colorado State University, but I want to do more in the area of higher education. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking classes from Vanderbilt University. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's it's kicking my butt. So <laughs> I know you I know you have it all under control. <laughs> and it's gonna be phenomenal because you're Lisa. Well you know? Well we'll find we'll find out, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's so let's dive into this. Yeah. So um this particular topic is derived from a question that you shared with me that you were pondering over. Mm-hmm. And that question was, how can people with diverse backgrounds find common ground, interests, and passions? Yeah. So one of the things that I was curious about was like, what inspired this question? Gosh, there's so much that goes into this question. I was partly it's prompted by some work that I'm doing through Colorado State University we're teaming with a university in Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And developing an online MBA, which will be offered to women. Wow. And most recently, so the professor that I'm teamed with over there is a male professor and, and that's go, it's going very well. Um, Mm -hmm. And he recently, um, has a new boss, a, a new dean, the new dean of business in this university, and it's a female. Wow. And, right? I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. 
And, and so I find myself in this position and I'm thinking about, okay, there's a lot of cross cultural mm-hmm. issues that can come out of this um, right. gender issues, right. you know, all of this. And I'm thinking, well, how do we do this and do it? If we can't do it completely right, how do we get as close to a hundred percent as we can? Mm-hmm. And, and how, where, what do I pull on to do that? Well, right. Yeah. Like where, where do I go? How do I think about this? And, and it's interesting um, in one of my Vanderbilt classes just this week, I raised some question and a fellow student who works at a community college in Wisconsin and is a, a black male mm-hmm. was um uh, sending me a note on the side about you need to make sure that you talk to as many different people from as many different backgrounds as you can, because there are all these assumptions built in right. to words, personas, right? all of it. And I was like, you know, his name is Mohammed. And I said, Mohammed, man, you're spot on. You are spot on. And it, and that's just, it's one piece. And then I think as I was telling you right before we jumped on the podcast, when we moved to Austin, it was during the pandemic. Well, it's still during the pandemic. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately. Right. We moved during this pandemic and it was also at the time where the Black Lives Matter protests really got going in in May here in Austin in May and, and again in June. And there was so much going on and we lived downtown. So we were in the heart of it. And Mm -hmm. I, I can't ever say I have been at ground zero to literally see a movement like that. Mm -hmm. And, and just watching, I'm, as you know, I'm a people observer, right? (laughs) Watching who participated, what they were saying, how they were saying it. And there were these major marches. And then there would be like on other days, these minor things that were going on, like at the public library and people outside honk if you believe in whatever was on the sign, you know, and then there would be honking. And and I got to a point where I knew in my Zoom calls, oh, it must be three o'clock because there's <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, what, what possesses people to do this? And what are we, what are we struggling to achieve? And this got me to this question about systemic inequality. And I've looked at systemic inequality from a gender-based perspective. Okay. You know, my first job out of college, I'm hired into a unit at the CIA I'm the first female hired into that unit. Wow. Yeah. A little known fact. And in there were, so there were like six of these units in an office. And uh, I think there was like maybe one female in each of those. So we weren't even, there weren't even another, there wasn't another one in your unit. And a unit was like, you know, 50, 60 people. That is crazy. uh, Yeah. Right. And (laughs) like one day somebody took it upon themselves to, you know, kind of organize us, but not organize us in any formal way, but just, hey, let's all get together once a month, maybe go out to lunch. Mm-hmm. Of these times were all six of us going out, six of us, right? 
<laughs> going out to lunch. And uh, one of our male colleagues just kind of throws it out there. Hey, don't be in a car accident or you're going to ruin our EEO numbers. <laughs> what? I know. We're all just like stunned. Seriously? <laughs> so, so that was an early introduction to like systemic inequality from a gender right. perspective. Right. And I, I have to say I'm guilty of focusing there. Okay. And, and I haven't given as much until probably this year, like many other people like myself, haven't given as much due to systemic inequality from a bigger perspective. Okay. So I, and I, I am very concerned about it for my students. I'm Mm -hmm. very concerned about it for my professional colleagues. I'm very concerned about it for the future of our nation. Wow. So, <laughs> so when, uh, so when you when we talked about it initially, like when you brought the a question to my attention, I immediately thought about a topic that I had been thinking about, which is the unconscious bias. And you did mention mention that earlier as you were sharing what inspired the question. And my thoughts were related to the role that it plays in racial injustice. And I really wasn't sure about how to address it because it is a very sensitive subject. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's another necessary conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my question to you with that, like, what would, what do you suggest would be a good way to, to address that? Because it's in order for us to move forward, I think we need to acknowledge that it exists. Uh, I think that's, I think that's the very, I think that's a critical point, what you just said, the acknowledgement mm-hmm. that it exists. And I think that so, and, and so we're on a podcast, so people can't see us, right? Right. And so they they may or may not know, I, I'm white. <laughs> so let's just right. go there. <laughs> like, more than European white. <laughs> <laughs> right. And but they probably know you, so mm-hmm. right. Know that I'm black. You're right? black, right? And mm-hmm. and and we're besties. <laughs> yes, we are. We are besties. <laughs> but, um, so the unconscious bias, I think, as a a I'm going to say it, a white privileged person, I understand this more now. If you'd mm-hmm. ask me a year ago, I'd probably be like, I'm not biased, right? I mean, right. I, what are you talking about? And, and it's taken me this long to understand and realize, wow, there's a lot going on that I am totally ignorant about. And and I'm going to mm-hmm. say ignorant as opposed to stupid. Okay. Because <laughs> if, I, if I'm exposed to it and I don't think about it, then I'm stupid. But right. now really having it in in my face... I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. It's kind of in my face. I'm like, wow, there is a lot of unconscious bias in in our neighborhoods and our our workplaces and our colleagues. And, right. and I, you know, it's it's so one of the things I started doing this summer was reading mm-hmm. because, because <laughs> it's not like I'm going out. We got COVID. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. So all those trips to breweries and such, yeah, no, that's all on hold. 
So, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, um, so I have this list of books I've been reading, right? And oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I do. I, and this is just since August. Um, wow. And, and for those of you on the podcast, I'm showing to Wanda my uh, journal where I have all these things listed. And, and so I started off with, um, uh, let's see. Where, where is it here? Um, well, okay. So I was looking at some creative ones, some creative books. And then I said, you know, I'm going to jump in to me and white supremacy. Oh, that's a huge jump. It was, it was, you know, and all about being a good ancestor. And that, that phrase really stuck. I was like, being a good ancestor. Whoa. I don't know that I am that. And, and so I, I plowed my way through that. It's a hard read. I'll be honest. I mean, okay. it, it is for me, it was a hard read, but it, it helped me better understand, um, this, these, uh, concepts, okay. uh, systemic inequality and unconscious bias. And then I also read cast, which okay. was another, um, kind of blew me away. I mean, there was much of it that I, I was aware of and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is a really good deep dive into history and from many different perspectives, but it's when you bring it all together that Mm -hmm. it, it just, you know, it just kind of sits in here like, whoa, huh? Okay. There's some there, there, as we, as we Mm -hmm. say, consulting (laughs) there, there. (laughs) And, and so I read that and then, and then I'll be honest, I went off on a tangent and I, I did a bunch of books about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And that also tied in. Okay. Right? If you've, I don't know if you've uh, read any of the biographies on her. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, okay. And what, what she was fighting and how she was fighting it and what it meant to so many different groups, whether, whether racial based, gender based, um, sexual orientation, you know, mm-hmm. all of it. I was like, I mean, just in a brilliant mind, so brilliant. So, and then I read John Meacham's book about the soul of America and, mm-hmm. and it's just like, whoa. So I'm, I'm still processing a lot of that, but I okay. have to say it's, it's really opened, opened my eyes a lot. And I look back at, were there things I could have done better in, in the workplace, you know, as a consultant or a coach, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I, so I did this reading. And then another thing I did was, um, I'm a member of the American marketing association and we have chapters all over the country. So I joined the Austin chapter and I went to one of their book review kinds of things and I met, virtually met a young man who's working on his graduate degree at UT, University of Texas, right here in Austin. Mm-hmm. And he reached out to me and said, Hey, you've got an interesting background. Can, can we just do a virtual coffee sometime? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So when we did that, I said to him, look, we're going to do some reverse mentoring here. You're, okay. you're going to mentor me. Like, yeah, if you have questions about the workplace and stuff like that, that's great. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. help with that. <laughs> but I have all these questions about the younger generation and generations. Um, 
and their perspective and what's important and how how do I as a baby boomer still contribute meaningfully in in many whether it be in volunteer work or you know community work or business work whatever it is so the, those are so the reading and the reverse mentoring are are two things I just started right off the bat this summer and I think that's I think that's amazing um just well, thank you it's it's not enough and and as we were talking before the podcast I I really want to hear from you what what should I be doing what should people like me be doing when my wonderful husband Ed comes home tonight <laughs> <laughs> I tell him about our fantastic conversation here. What should I be sharing with him from your perspective? I think you could share with him just how meaningful I find it that you took the time to do the research, that you took the time to ask Lisa, what could I have done differently? You know, and just acknowledging that there is a possibility that. I could have made some type of impact. Did I miss a moment? Because um, I think it's it's very important as human beings to to reflect on what we what we've done. Because I think a lot of times we get caught up in when things happen, we want to put it on the other person, and we fail to think about what role did I play? Did I did I play any role at all? And the fact that me not doing anything still has an impact, and mm -hmm. I think we we forget that. So, you know, the fact that you did that, I think is commendable. And I think even sharing that you did that can, you know, ultimately influence other people, you know, to do it as well, you know, and think about, okay, what can I do differently? Um, so it makes me think about something else that we talked about, like you were saying that you recognized your ignorance and, you know, unfortunately with the riots and, it started with the, the death of, of George Floyd, where I recognized, you know, my areas of failure. Um, I did not realize how how um, racial injustice is still alive and kicking. Um, you know, I realized that it didn't go anywhere, but I thought we were further along than we actually are. Yes. And just thinking about Black Lives Matter, not necessarily the the movement itself, because I know there's a lot of controversy when it comes to, you know, the foundation of it and the people who run it. But the fact that just looking at the words that black lives matter mm -hmm. and personally, you know, I had the stance that all lives matter. Yeah. And even yeah. though I believe that from the depths of my heart, that all lives matter, but it took George Floyd losing his life for me to realize mm. all lives aren't mattering. So yeah. until we can, until black lives truly matter, mm -hmm. we are not really embracing the message that all lives matter. We're not living that. And it took that for me to, to see that. And it's embarrassing because I'm black, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you're, you're a black woman and you didn't realize that until then. But the fact that, you know, I am open enough, you know, to say, hey, I messed up. I didn't see it. Now that I see it, time to do better. So I think just the combination of, you know, all of us really looking within ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, saying, where do I need to come up? What mistakes did I make? Am I really looking at this from both sides 
or all sides of the situation. Yeah. And um, that makes me think of, you know, something, another question that popped in my mind when you were talking, you had mentioned privilege. Mm-hmm. So my question to you, how did you, at what point did you recognize that you are privileged? Wow. I, I don't know that there was a, a, a moment. Okay. Per se. Um, I, it's so, so it's a, it's a great question and it's one I'm still working on. Okay. I, I, I recognize it, but what does it mean? You know, and as, mm-hmm. as, we, as we like to say to each other, how do we unpack that? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be privileged? And so another book that I'm, I'm reading right now, um, shoot, I had it up. I, anyhow, it's about meritocracy and what happened to the common good. Mm-hmm. And it raises many of these um, privileges that I hadn't I hadn't really thought about. And and it's you know I've always kind of been that pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of person. You know if if you apply yourself hard, you'll do well. Without really looking at what are the obstacles that I had to overcome as opposed to obstacles that others have had to overcome. Right. And, and I think, and I think, you know, my, again, back to my, my wonderful husband. <laughs> so <laughs> we will, we will have these discussions at home about well, what, what does privilege really mean? I mean, we, we came to Austin and we had the financial wherewithal to, you know, we initially lived downtown because we didn't know where to live. We couldn't do house hunting because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And we were in a small one bedroom apartment. And, and I look at that and I think, you know, I'm so grateful for that time because it, it helped me kind of recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And, and then we found a house, you see my, my beautiful office here. Yes. In my, new home, mm-hmm. which you have to come see personally. Yes. <laughs> um, and, but we were privileged because we could, we could go house hunting and we could buy something mm-hmm. that worked for us. We didn't have to worry about knocking down barriers of this or that or the other thing. Right. Um, you know, that's a simple example. Um, but it, but it comes forward all the time when we're, when we're looking and we're interviewing for something or, mm-hmm. Um, I, so there's a company that reached out to me recently and said, Hey, we really want to buy some of your time for marketing. I'm like, yeah, okay. This sounds great. You know, I, I like your mission. I like what you guys are doing. Went to the website, pulled up the leadership team. And guess what I found there? What did you find? I found, <laughs> you know, where this is going. I do. Yeah. Because it's the defense industry, right? <laughs> okay. It, it was all white white men. men over probably over the age of definitely over the age of 40 potentially Mm -hmm. over the age of 50 Mm -hmm. and I was just looking at that I'm like why would anyone who doesn't look like that want to join this company so so uh, you know it's 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 that natural assumption right that well I can walk into that room and feel okay about it can everybody walk into that room and feel okay about it? And I know the no. answer is no. No. And, and I think that's one of the questions I am repeatedly asking myself. What, 
what does the room look like? And, uh, you know, going back to my earlier experiences, so often, and I know you've probably experienced this too, you walk into a room, you have to give a briefing or do something, you know, present a paper, whatever it is, and you're the only female in that room or... You know, or or in your in your case, I wouldn't be surprised if you were the only black female in that room, maybe the yes. only black in that room. It has happened. Yes. Right. And and let alone Hispanic or Asian. Right. You know, fill in the blank. Exactly. And so from a white privilege perspective, it, it occurred to me. Um, and, and part of this, too, was my my upbringing insofar as I had a father who was very progressive about you can do anything. Just mm-hmm. put your mind to it and you can do it. And so, you know, it's always like, all right, straighten your shoulders mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and do all the other things we do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what that one was, that gesture I just did, but anyhow, <laughs> right. But it's but, like, you know, straighten your pumps and here we go. We're going into that right. room. And but not everybody has the knowledge that they can do that. Not everybody is welcome. Right. Not, not everybody feels like they can or that their voice matters. And and that saddens me. It just saddens me. So yeah, uh it's 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 been a journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm not proud that it that it's now that I'm seeing it. It's I I can relate. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's a huge confession right there, man. It is. (laughs) So you made me think of something, another question that came to my mind. Yeah. So during our correspondence, you made a statement that I wanted to hear more about. You asked, do I even have a right to voice my opinion? Yes. Now, again, we'll go back to what we said earlier. Although I have my assumptions for why you asked that question, mm-hmm. I'd really like to hear your reasoning. Yeah. So, so part of it, I feel as if, if I'm in a position where I have benefited from the system, and I think, I think we could both agree that I have, you know, to mm-hmm. some degree, maybe not as much as others, but I have. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, do I have uh, the right? to to have an opinion do i have the, uh, other than okay the system the system is biased but but beyond that do do i have the the moral high ground to to make a statement about it to try and influence other people i was was reading a book recently um oh gosh i can't remember the author's name this is horrible this is what happens when you get beyond 60 <laughs> Oh, but, but the name of the book was called Untamed, and it's it, it's written by an author whose name escapes me, but everybody who's listening to the podcast will be like, oh, it's so-and-so, you fool. Anyhow, <laughs> it's a female author, and she talks about, about some of these very things. And she talks about, at one point, how white women have actually gotten in the way of progress. We don't understand or we come at it specifically from a gender perspective where we say, let's Mm. take care of of women's rights first and then we'll circle back and we'll take care of all this other stuff. Right. But but that's not going to help. 
because we have to look at it all. And, right. and, I, and I was looking at that. I'm like, yeah, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of, hey, let's take care of the women's issues, which we, which we still need to do, which is true. Still, but I haven't invested enough time and energy in, in the other issues. And, and as such, do, do I have a right? Do I have a right to, to voice an opinion on this? I mean, how, absolutely. I mean, as a black female, how do you feel about that? Like I, I, well, I say absolutely. Um, but even, you know, like thinking about this conversation and the relationship that we have is easy for me to say absolutely, because mm-hmm. I know the beautiful person that you are. You know, I know you're not going into it, you know, so that, you know, you can get a pat on the back and say, oh, she's she's one of the good ones. I know that's not true. <laughs> I know that's not your motive. Um, no. But I honestly believe that we all have a right to be heard because um, otherwise it would go against, you know, what our country is, air quotes, founded on. You know, we all have the right to to voice our opinions, you know, that the freedom that that we are a lot of times I think we take take for granted. Mm-hmm. So um, so based on that, absolutely. You know, and you sharing your opinion, you sharing your thoughts, you know, will encourage other people to do the same, um, you know, hopefully in a, in a positive and in a healthy manner. But I think that when because, you know, I'm I'm into storytelling, you know, with the blog and, you know, and doing the podcast and sharing your story, it helps other people. So, you know, the individuals that are feeling like, you know, no one understands how I'm feeling. And you taking, taking the time, you know, to have this conversation with me, you know, and expressing like, yes, I realize that I am, I was ignorant, but now I am trying to gain that knowledge so that things can be better. So that in itself, you know, is going to help, you know, those individuals who feel like they've been oppressed. And I also think it would be beneficial to those who, who thought the same thing you, you're thinking. Oh, I have no right to speak. Mm-hmm. You are taking the initiative. You're taking that step in speaking. Like, oh, well, I can do it. So by all means, yes. Say it loud. <laughs> okay. Well, and I wonder too, I'm at a stage in my life where I feel confident enough in myself mm-hmm. that, that I, I, I'm kind of like, I, it's not that I don't care what people think. Mm-hmm. I do want them to think about the right thing. And, right. and there was a, I mean, for a lot of my life, I probably held back from making statements and right. because I didn't want to, I didn't want to expose myself or I didn't want to, um, you know, take flack from people. Well, how can you say this? And, you know, and I think, speaking just for myself and not for the great white nation, so to speak, (laughs) I can't speak for that, but just for myself, you know, there, there are these, these myths that we feed to ourselves about, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I've never, I've never taken down somebody running from a Seven Eleven store or I've never, you know, that kind of, you know, I didn't do, this I wasn't mm-hmm. one of the founding fathers who disenfranchised you know slaves and women right. and so forth and so on, indentured servants and you know 
right. category. Um, but, but that doesn't matter. See this. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter because what matters is what's, where are we today? And right. I think, uh, and we touched on this very briefly before we talked on, uh, started the podcast. We've had a huge reckoning in the last two weeks. True. Like, like n- nothing. I mean, I was thinking back to the riots in the late sixties, um, in DC and what, what we saw then and mm-hmm. kind of what we've gone through this year. And then to have that assault on the Capitol was, I, I I'm, it, as we said, I'm still searching for words. How right. how to describe that? You know, disgusted, disheartened, uh, saddened, um, appalled, mm-hmm. surprised. Um, right. You know, and I'm and I'm still working through it. You know, I feel like I'm grieving over that. Mm-hmm. Day. And and as a nation, we need to. It, but yet right. at the same time, it's almost as if it was it, like it was something that needed to come to a head to explain what's going right. on you know back to your point that you didn't know how bad it was or you just didn't see it until right. George Floyd's death right and I I sort of have a feeling that 6 January could be a huge wake-up call for a lot of people I and agree I hope it is you too on so many levels yeah so you would also ask about finding that common ground. Mm-hmm. How do we do it? <laughs> well, that, that's can it be done? Tawanda, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm wondering, you know, can it be done? And I'm going to go with yes. Okay. Um, I think it, I think it can be. And I, I well, because I'm the eternal optimist. Mm-hmm. So, or as as my husband describes me, I think he called me a pragmatic optimist. So, <laughs> okay, so um, he, I, I think we can. I think if I think actually, COVID gives us an opportunity to do this because everybody in this country is hurting. Whether right. we lost a loved one, whether we can't go see a, a loved one. Right. So, like, as you know, I would give you updates on my mother, right? And, right. And she will turn 100 in March. Awesome. But I haven't seen her since February because right. COVID, right? I mean, right. other than FaceTime and such. But so I think as a country, this is something we can tackle together. And it, it, is also something that shines a light on disparities that exist in our economy, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And, and if we can use this as an opportunity to not only beat back the virus, but to do so in a way that we strengthen, you know, um, if we strengthen parts of the economy that got exposed as being incredibly uh, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's one area of common ground. The fact that you and I are talking, but you know, we're, we're sisters of different mothers. So. Right. 
<laughs> Let me think of that last note I left for you. To my sister from my my sister from another mother. <laughs> sister from another mother. Um, but these kind of conversations, and then as we come up with ideas, I think it's important that we bounce them off of each other. Um, yes. I don't, you know, because because of COVID, I don't feel like I can get out and do things. Um, so there's there is that. But at the same time, we we need to keep identifying those opportunities. And maybe, you know, I think we tend to think like I started off with the big one, right? COVID, big, big, big. Mm-hmm. But, but everybody loves using this term micro. So what's that micro opportunity? When can I actually do something? And this is a question that I'm asking myself now every day. And I don't have an answer, but... And another question I'm asking myself is what, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? And if I weren't afraid, what would I do? And I think we, we all need to ask ourselves that and, and particularly my demographic. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I, I, I didn't come up with it. I can't remember where I heard it, but I wrote it down on a, on a, well, actually, a shopping list downstairs. It's on my grocery shopping list. <laughs> but that's what I had at the time. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's important. Like, what, That is important. What am I afraid of? And if I were not afraid, what would I do? So we need to knock those things down. And so for me, part of it was I was afraid to speak out on these issues because I didn't feel like I had a voice. Or I shouldn't have a voice. Yeah. Do you still feel that way? No, not after talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) So I had, I had a, because I know you asked me before we hit record, you had asked me like, well, what do I do to Wanda? Yes. So so I do have one idea. Yes. Okay. I am not sure how receptive you are going to be. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think a perfect opportunity is three coffees later. Oh, okay. That is a wonderful opportunity. And and what, um, okay. How do you see that manifesting itself? You can start by writing all of the questions that have come to your mind. Mm. You can start by writing that. You can even start it with, you know, that question, what am I afraid of? Yeah. And I think once you... You know, you put their, your fingers on those keys and you write it out and you post it and it's read. I believe there are other people mm-hmm. who will say, hey, I had those same fears or I had similar fears. So to give that, you know, the, the mind will start turning and start thinking about themselves and then start using, you know, their their different tools and different mechanisms to to share their voice. So I think you should continue to share your voice. Wow. Okay. And that's, I am open to that idea. Okay. And, uh, and that's a heavy lift. Yeah. <laughs> I know from watching you, my friend. <laughs> it is, it, it can be, it can be, but it is very, it can be very therapeutic. Yeah. Because um, yeah. um, to be perfectly honest, like the last episode that, that I did, I learned a little bit more about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, there were things that I didn't realize that were buried mm-hmm. down deep inside. 
and from having a conversation with um, with people who went through the same thing as I did, because the, the episode was about infant and pregnancy loss. Yes. And having that conversation, you know, I was able to to share a little bit of more about myself and learn a little bit more about myself and about, you know, what I experienced. So mm-hmm. just just starting the conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and getting it out of what's in your head, getting mm-hmm. that out and, you know, and putting it on paper and, you know, giving it wings. Mm. You know, yeah. So. That's a, I love that. I love that analogy too. And giving it wings. That is, you know, and it, and that whole giving it wings ties back to a phrase that's been used so much in the last couple of weeks, which is our better angels. Mm -hmm. And I love that phrase because Mm -hmm. I think, I think our better angels will prevail. I do. Yes, I do too. I I do. do. So I need to grow some wings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> huh. all right grow some wings that could grow be my, wings. that could be another goal for uh, three coffees later yes and a nice and that's a nice hashtag mm-hmm. you I know like it. <laughs> and we can say that took boobs yeah yep that <laughs> <laughs> you know i just shared that with a client oh really you <laughs> really yes, and she loved it. <laughs> it was awesome. It's amaze balls. Yeah, it's amaze balls. Exactly. It's balls. <laughs> yeah, I, so, that's good. That is wow. Whew. Okay, so you just you just threw me a really heavy folder <laughs> there, girlfriend. But all right, I got it. I got to grow some wings and I got to get on with it. Yes. Yes. All right, and and. Okay, so so I will probably bounce things off of you then. I just add okay. a list of things to do. Okay, I'm ready for it. I'm open for it. Because open that it. that will probably uh, bring down my fear, bring down my anxiety yes. Yes. about about me feeling like I shouldn't have a voice. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yes. It does because that's that is. That fear and the anxiety is just a deterrent. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Oof. And I guess maybe because it feels so raw and so personal and mm-hmm. and I don't want to make a misstep because I think we're just, it, you know, we're walking on eggshells right now in this country. We just are. Right. And I want to be the one that said something wrong. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think, I don't think you would say or do anything that would cause something to be catastrophic. And as you were talking, I was thinking about something that I saw on, on social media, I actually shared it on my Instagram page that said, the message read, the thing that you fear to do the most is the thing that you need to do the most. Yes. So I think the fact that it's something that you are apprehensive about doing I think will be the most beneficial thing for you to do Mm -hmm. and even if you make a mistake we all make mistakes and you know that but the key to moving past that is learning you learn from it that's what happens when you do things wrong you learn from it and a lot of times when you know things that you know, inventions are here today because they were trying to do something else. But hey, this happened. Oh, so this is a lovely mistake. 
So when you look at it from that perspective, is it really a mistake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, immediately when you said that, I thought about post-it notes, right? <laughs> huge exactly, exactly. <laughs> they messed up that glue. <laughs> exactly. And we use post-it notes all the time. Right? Our big post-it notes. Yes. <laughs> all those things. Yeah, no, that's, it's very, well, and I think, you know, to your point, so so what I really, really appreciate is that you are so encouraging and so uplifting, oh. so supportive. And, Thank and you, Lisa. I, you know, in, in so much of what I do for a living, I I play this role as coach. And uh, not not that I ever, I, if somebody said to me, are you a professional coach? No, 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 no. It's not what I do. But you you fill that role or as a mentor or, um, you know, just helping, supporting and so, mm-hmm. forth and so on. And you forget, I forget that I, I need that too. Like <laughs> <laughs> We all do. Right. We all do. Right. And so I really, I really do appreciate. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're getting me really inspired here. And, um, you know, I, I, you'll appreciate this too. So I was watching the concert after the inauguration. Um, and all of the photographs, the imagery around Washington, D.C. with the Lincoln Memorial and, and the Washington Memorial and, and, you know, all of it and reflecting pond and the lights. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to my husband, well, are you a little bit homesick? I'm a little bit homesick right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like part of me wants to be in the D.C. area in the fray. Like, oh, uh-huh. I want to be in the fight. And so I've just got to figure out, well, how do I conduct the fight in Austin? And and maybe taking voice, you know, as you said, grow some wings and write out the questions yes. and, and and start with something and just yes. start. Yeah. Just start. Just do it. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's good advice for everybody. Anybody, mm-hmm. everybody yes. listening to this podcast, all the millions that are going to Tune in to your podcast. Thank you for speaking that, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> for speaking that into the atmosphere. I totally appreciate it. <laughs> it has wings. It does. So, so I do have, I don't know how much time we have, but I do have one more question for you. Okay. So, so I know that, that you are definitely a faith-based individual. Yes. And I too am a faith-based individual, and I know we come at it a little bit differently, um, as as probably all faith-based individuals do. Mm-hmm. And how do we know when we're when we're talking about systemic inequality or unconscious bias or or whatever those concepts are that we're wrestling with? How how do we know that we're doing what is morally right as opposed to ethically right? Hmm. that's a tough one and maybe we come back and unpack that one okay let's come back and okay but I like that question you know because I I I stumble across it I mean it's one thing when we talk about ethics and and we talk about I mean there's legal frameworks right you do this and you do that and this is legal and this is illegal okay that's pretty clear right most of the time and then there are the ethical things, you know, in marketing, what is ethical? 
And then when we shift into things like systemic inequality, I mean, this, this to me takes on a, almost a moral tone. Like I have a moral obligation. This, mm-hmm. this to me goes beyond ethics, but, but does it? And how do I know I've got the right moral framework or does it matter? I don't know. So That's a great question. Here we go. Invite me back. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited because <laughs> I'm excited to hear more about three coffees later. Oh yeah. So, so a former colleague of mine, a uh, shout out to my former clients at Rikon who are now Maxar. Um, but when the Maxar bought Rikon, a former marketing colleague gave me this paperweight title thing. And so I've been going as the ambassador of buzz, right? That's my official title because CEOs or, you know, that's this owner. Uh-huh. And it's so every day, but ambassador right. buzz, man. So she, yes, she, that is awful. Yeah. She sent this to me, um, uh, just out of the blue to arrive one day here in Austin. <laughs> I was, oh my gosh. This just makes my day. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, what we can, yeah. At some point in the future, Let's talk about three coffees later, and uh, yes. we got we got a lot we got a lot to catch up on. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, Lisa, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for joining me. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to see your lovely smiling face. <laughs> so, thank you so much. So, that's all for today's episode. I thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, I wish you peace and most of all, love. Thanks for listening to the Diary of a Stylish Buxom Beauty podcast. Be sure to show your support by subscribing on your favorite listening platform and join in the conversation on IG by following at stylish underscore buxom underscore beauty underscore podcast.